Hi, I'm Tasha Weeks. And I'm Kelly Guyton. Welcome to Culturally Yours Mental Health. We will discuss all things mental health for people of color. Let's create our own narratives for our own experiences that affect us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Be informed. Be supported. Be empowered. Welcome back to Culture Yours Mental Health. This is episode two. We are going to discuss marginalization and white privilege and how that affects um, people of color's mental health. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to marginalization, it was originally, um, you know, used, you know, when it comes to like writing papers, you know, the marginal papers. However, it started to be used in context in the 70s when the social revolution began to you know, um, so, well, the social revolution began then. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the term was an analogy to describe the experience of people who lived on, you know, the edges of the mainstream of society. So in 1968, the article uh, in Los Angeles Times, the term was starting to be used in reference to African Americans um, mentioning that they were kept aside, you know, marginalized, mm-hmm. therefore composing in into a large, into a large majority and majority of the chronically poor. Right. Okay? So the term marginalized is commonly used, you know, to mean, or as a verb, you know, to mean to regulate to an unimportant or powerless position within society or group. Marginalization or to marginalize is used to describe the casting aside of groups that are considered other okay, within, within society. society. That's crazy. See, and I didn't, I, I've come to dislike the word, um, what's the word I'm thinking? Minority. About? Minority. Like, <laughs> I cannot stand being called a minority. But now even this word, and after you just broke it down, it's just like, I'm not really feeling this one either. No, because no, no one wants to be put to the side. Right. And, and even though I dislike the word and how it's used to describe people of color, um, it is what it is, because that's it's basically what happened. It is what happens, and it, it's not just putting a person to the side. It's a, it's a social construct, society, mm-hmm. okay? You know, it's not like, oh, there's more of us than them concept. You know, it's really saying that one cultural or a particular group, group of people, group of people um, is being, you know, deemed outside the norm of our societal norms, right? You know, it's, it's kind of it's, it's it's a bit it's a bit upsetting. Yeah, I'm putting it nicely when I say a bit, y'all. I am. So some of the examples of the marginalization populations um, include groups that are excluded due to race, gender, identity, sexual orientation, age, physical ability, or language. Okay, a lot of this is what creates culture, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are three themes that have emerged to, dist- to demonstrate how marginalization is a process um, which certain populations experience social factors of health that can negatively impact health outcomes. Right. Okay, so one of the first uh, themes addresses how margins are created, defined, maintained, and enforced. Okay, they are intentionally created and developed because of societal structures designed 
to adversely affect a targeted group. Let me say that again. They were intentionally created, mm-hmm. developed because of social structures, okay, designed to adversely affect a target, to negatively affect a targeted group, so, a group that's so targeted. This is on, on purpose. purpose, okay? This is premeditated. <laughs> All right, premeditated marginalization. Exactly. Okay. And once they are defined, a power dynamic is created that causes the excluded population to feel less powerful and their access to resources to be restricted. So now when I hear that, I, I think uh, generations of people that have been excluded, um, okay. that have been purposely, their power been taken from them mm-hmm. um, and purposely not given any resources. To reinforce that concept of you're powerless. Yes. Like think about the times where we've all felt powerless in one way or another. You know, when we're trying to get medical services mm. or it's just trying to get some resources just to meet our basic needs, our day-to-day needs. And we're feeling powerless because we have to go through hoops and loops right. to access these resources. And you're trying so hard to help yourself. And it feels like no matter what, it's just always something in the way. Mm-hmm. That is a very great recipe to depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, you know, easily. Feeling angry and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it sometimes can, can drive a person to just giving in to some of the more primal basic instincts, you know, and it's not, I'm not saying that's a, a terrible thing, but it, it helps explain why some people may be perceived to go through extremes uh-huh. to get their needs met. You know, whether a person is aware that they're feeling powerless or there is an intentional mar- marginalization taking place, it's still having an impact. Right. A very big one. Uh-huh. Okay. So whether, um, Regardless of whether an individual knows or acknowledges that they're being marginalized. marginalized or a part of a marginalized system, they are a part of it and may have already done so um, by being um, being being limited. Being limited, yeah, yeah, yep. And and that's and that what bothers me about that is because like there are resources that we don't even know that are available to us in the first place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? We don't even know we're missing out. On certain resources that other groups or people, white people, are receiving, and we're not, and we don't even know they exist. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate because if if we do tend to acknowledge it, we might say, "Well, that's that's only for white people." Yeah. yeah. Okay. We we again just kind of reinforce that we we start we start marginalizing ourselves. Yeah. Excluding ourselves, yeah. saying like, "Oh, that's not for me," or "That's not for us." Think about opportunities and dreams and goals mm-hmm. that our kids have or that we have had when we were growing up. I can't do that. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. Or reducing our dreams to what we think that we can only do. You know? Yeah, very true. Um, so that's why it's important to like, you know, think that we, to, to remind ourselves that we are powerful despite, you know, what societal um, messages are trying to mm-hmm. say. The second theme that comes up with marginalization um, addresses the fact that since the populations are separated from one another, it's actually difficult for each of them to have meaningful connections with one another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so this reinforces exclusion of the marginalization group. Okay, so the second thing demonstrates how general is not generalization, generational. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. Generational trauma develops, and and people we we 
thrive off connections. Mm-hmm. We grow from connect- connections. We develop from connections. So imagine all these connections that we were supposed to have and it was taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how much it just sets us back. Right. That disconnection that we 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 end up having, you know, we lose a part of our culture and understanding why certain mm-hmm. things are or are not happening. Yeah, we disconnect from each other ultimately. Yeah, and we end up hurting one another, not understanding where someone else may be coming from or why they have done what they've done from a different generation, from mm-hmm. a different time. You know, um, it, it ends up being harmful. You know, the last thing that comes up in marginalization um, explains how a person in the excluded group are left vulnerable to poor health outcomes due to structural and societal inequities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So having poor health, you know, gosh, I'm thinking of both, you know, physical and mental health, you know, and how that, how that ends up having an impact. Um, not having access to these certain resources. Again, we talked about how that can create some of that depression and how we start to prioritize what's more important. I don't need to worry about my mental health. I need to just, you know, yeah, get to work and get some food on the table. Okay. Not being able to take care of other things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I, I really want to point out something here, you know, and I guess this is a little bit of a talk for some clinicians that may be listening, you know, when we're trying to help our, our clients or we're trying to help somebody and saying, well, just think about certain goals down the road or just work on your depression, work on your anxiety. But when a person is just trying to figure out where their next meal is going to come from, right? those are certain luxuries a person may not be able to think about. Sometimes that anxiety is helping them stay focused on what they need to do mm-hmm. instead of trying to help that individual get rid of their anxiety. That's what's motivating them. It's what's motivating them. Mm-hmm. You might find, find yourself coming across individuals saying that they don't have time to be depressed or they're not, they don't think they're depressed because they're on the go. They're not the oh, I wish I was the white person that was laid up in bed and could do nothing. I can't afford to do nothing, quite literally. You know? Um, So just being mindful of, again, trying to access these resources and the hoops and loops that have to go through and the stress that can cause, the frustration that can cause. And yeah, there may be a a level of depression there, okay? Uh, And it's having an adverse effect on their physical health, but priorities are, I got to eat. I got to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. I got to, you know, get some clothes for the season for my kids or for myself. Priorities are different, you know? So think about just that cultural lens, that marginalization experience for that person. Again, you don't need to acknowledge whether you're being marginalized or not. It's an experience that you can have, whether you're aware. Okay. Um, And so just kind of, it kind of in that dynamic, kind of think about some of the privileges that we don't, not everyone gets to think about or gets to experience. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. And and that's when, white privilege comes into play, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's defined as an inherent advantage possessed by a white person on the basis of their race in a society characterized by racial inequality and injustice. Mm. White privilege is most notably in this era of uncivil discourse, a concept that is usually fallen victim to its own connotations. Mm-hmm. The two word term packs a double whammy because it inspires pushback, right? So the word white creates discomfort automatically mm-hmm. among those who are not used to being defined or described by their race. Mm-hmm. Now, white people typically don't have to be described by their race um, because everything is just revolved around them. Everything is created for them. So we don't have to point out that they're white. 
And they don't have to point, they themselves don't have to point it out either. Right, right. Um, and then the word privilege, especially for, for and rural white people sounds like a word that doesn't really belong to them because it's like, how can I be privileged when I am struggling? Right. How can I be privileged when I, uh, I can't pay my bills? I have right. to worry about uh, my lights being on. So that, that puts the word white to this superiority contents, mm-hmm. context, you know, like, okay, if I'm white then I don't have such problems. Mm-hmm. So if they, they feel, if they are economic, economically poor, Mm-hmm. They do not view themselves as privileged. No, no. And and I think that also ties into, I mean, I just further defining what it means to be white, mm-hmm. to economic status. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a lot of, uh, when I say economic status, I'm also referring to that privilege concept. Yes, exactly. Um, so being white also equates to having some sort of power, right? You're able to get away with things that, People of color would not dare to do. It's this level of acceptance of having exceptional access. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can go on and on about white privilege and how we cannot do things or even say things that they are able to say and get away with. Mm-hmm. And that just comes down to um, how we wear our clothes, how we express ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to. Ro- you know, speak our minds, okay, yeah. or really show that something has bothered, angered, annoyed, right. or upset us in different contexts. We have to yeah. like um, second guess and censor. We yeah, have to censor, censor. We have to water down ourselves. Yeah, like you know, we we got to really we got to put things in the way to make sure that we're going to be received. Mm-hmm. And what what's 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 mind boggling about that? is that we have to do it in a way that does not quite align with our own culture. We right. have to do it in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> That's annoying. <laughs> and even though we do all that, it's still not good enough. It's they're not still, enough. They're still going to find a way to view us as problematic or angry or mm-hmm. um, they're a problem, you know? And this is one of the, this is one of the, the, frustrations when it comes to privilege these are things that people of color have to think about mm-hmm. when you are white you don't have to think about these things yeah you don't have to think about mm, is the color of my skin going to get in the way of me trying to communicate effectively or being heard effectively mm-hmm. being seen for who i am not just for you know the initial glance of the, the color of my skin or the texture of my hair right you know so you know again so, like, before the Civil Rights Act, right, white privilege was less commonly used, but generally referred to legal and systematic advantages given to white people by the United States, mm-hmm. such as citizenship, the right to vote, or the right to buy a house in the neighborhood of your choice. And again, we can go all day long about that, okay, and how these privileges, you know, were put in place for for white and to continue to marginalize mm-hmm. others and then of course you have like the inherent white privilege which means you're existing something or belonging to um an essential characteristic characteristic attribute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was intentionally developed through marginalization in society through the generations this privilege or power was passed down like for example a columns article um 
you know, he lists scenarios of white privilege as the power of the benefit of the of, of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so white privilege uh, includes the facts that white people are less likely to be followed, interrogated, or searched by law enforcement because they they don't look suspicious. And a perfect example of that is stop and frisk in New York, which they had to put to a stop because they realized that black and brown people were being stopped and frisked way more than their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. And then you have white people's skin tone, you know, will not be the reason people hesitate to trust their credit or financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I hate about that? And let's say you're walking down the street. Fifth Ave, you know, you mm. walk into a Louis store, mm-hmm. you know, and they automatically think you don't belong there. You can't afford it because you're black. Mm-hmm. Or if you can, you play basketball, mm-hmm. you're a football player, you a singer. Mm-hmm. Why can't I be a doctor or a lawyer or something? You why know, can't I be a real estate? You know, why in, can't I be invested? other things? Yeah. I know. Why am I being limited to just these types of professions? You know, and it's not too different. You know, growing up in California either. <laughs> <laughs> right. You I know, mean, this is all over. You know, I just use a New York example. That's where I'm from. You know? Right. You know, California places where I grew up. You know, it was well known to have money. Okay? Uh, it's expensive out there. It is. I mean, it was expensive then. It's expensive. It's even more expensive now. I ain't oh. trying to date myself on this thing, but. It was, it was expensive <laughs> then. <laughs> it is incredibly more expensive now. And so, like, looking back, you knew when somebody had money based on the type of car they had, right. you know. But and that's an once you got, once once you're of a different color, you know, coming in brown, you're, yeah. it's, it's, very, it's very subtle. Like, how can you afford that car? Are you a drug dealer? Exactly. Y'all can't see my face, but I'm making a face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's a it's a it's a slap in the face when we have worked so hard to get an education and do all the right things mm-hmm. and still get pulled over because I'm black enough. I shouldn't be able to afford this type of luxurious car. Again, the type of can you imagine the type of anxiety, you know, someone who is brown has to go through when they just simply want to buy something that they 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 worked hard for. You worked hard. I deserve you know, this Louis purse. Right. You know, and having to having to worry about after all their hard work being pulled over and being profiled okay or being charged higher interest rates Mm -hmm. okay because they're considered you know i don't know what the assumptions can be you know they possibly can't make enough money or they're drug dealers or they're lying or also that makes me think of um, something that i saw where a couple was putting their house up for sale and they that the house basically wasn't um, worth what it actually was. It was they, they, what do you call it? When you, like the estimate of, of whatever the house is worth, right? Mm-hmm. They put it way low than what it was actually worth. So what they did was they brought in a white couple to stage for them, with white pic- pictures of families, mm-hmm. and brought someone else in. And wow. the house worth went up tremendously. Wow. See how they be doing this dirty? Wow. Can't even sell a house. My own house that I worked hard for. Guys, they don't want to let us live. <sighs> it renders me speechless because. It, so let me tell you, let simple. me tell you guys something about Kelly. Kelly does not have social media. There's a lot of things that she does not see. So when I tell her about these things, she's just like, hmm. <laughs> I don't see it on social media. Um, and because quite frankly, I see it growing up. I see it when I have to go 
in my day to day. I have my own way of picking up my cues around the world. Mm-hmm, the way I like mm-hmm. to say say is I live in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I experience it. I see it. I may not say anything. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll share my own personal experience. Just recently going into Florida and wanting to get some pizza. Mm-hmm. And two hours before it's closing, I just, I just want me a good old pizza. And I'm told the kitchen is closed and they're not serving people no more. Okay. While people are still sitting down eating and people still making food in the kitchen. Huh. Interesting. So now you, you're right. I don't need to be on social media. <laughs> I just need to go get some pizza right? or just try to go and, you know, live my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, but that, that speaks to my strength of under, picking up these things and understanding people and know what things could be about. Um, but it, it's definitely there. You know, mm-hmm. some of that inherent white privilege is there. And, and it's not to, to beat up those who are inherent are inheriting these white privileges you know just being aware that right. this is something that's happening in our society and this is something that can be used as power mm-hmm. okay so if you if you are inheriting this white privilege this this can be used to help others you know come out of that marginalization until mm-hmm. of course society you know starts to catch up and there's no marginalization i'm not trying to um trying to say this is going to happen overnight but definitely not i'm going to put it out there to the universe <laughs> <laughs> but you know, some change can happen here. It's, it's caught in the sea. Right. You know, so white privilege can be, you know, that invisible force that white people need to recognize and use intentionally. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've, I have been able to receive that. I can speak that I have been able to receive some of that inherent white privilege support. Mm-hmm. Okay. To help me, you know, elevate in different areas of my life. You know, I've also been on the other end <laughs> too. Some some of the things that we've talked about. So it's not like I got to escape this, and I'm just talking about it from an outside point of view. This, you know, this is an experience as well. Right, yeah. And I'm grateful to say that I'm aware enough to see the difference of where it's a white privilege um, power that's being used to help me versus you know a subtle discrimination that's a setup. You know, and that's something I wanted to point out. You know, growing mm-hmm. up on the West coast predominantly, you know, during my um, teenage and early adult years is that the, you know, these types of things were very subtle, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't very in your face, you know, you just don't get that promotion, you know, suddenly nobody's in the store mm-hmm. or, you know, suddenly everyone wants to go on lunch break. It was very subtle, you know? Now, now it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's more in your face. I'm very bold and blatant um, about it. Um, I do appreciate the white people who get it. Mm-hmm. The ones who are allies, mm-hmm. um, who are able to say, I am privileged because I am white mm-hmm. and that it's not right. You know, that the system is built on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it affects people of color in our communities in so many different ways. Um, and it affects how we, how we cope. Um, how we manage our own emotions, um, because we can literally be angry about something every day. Mm-hmm. We can literally be depressed or sad about something mm-hmm. every day. Um, so it, it also really speaks to our resilience. Absolutely. As people, how we are able to continue to wake up every day, knowing that we face um, these type of systematic marginalizations 
and overcome and still be very much successful, whether they want us to or not, it's going to happen. Girl, that's power to me. <laughs> they might as well just get out of the way <laughs> and let us do what we do. I mean, it's, you know, you don't want to keep a people down for so long. No, like, you know, when, when the people are, are, are resilient, okay, um, and are not designed for such oppression. Yeah. Okay. Like when you just created for greatness, you just made for greatness no matter what. And I wish like a lot of our communities who still feel that foot on their neck would just be able to like, I don't know, push through. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's very inspiring and encouraging. Um, you know, and, and I hate to, I hate to say this, but you know, it makes me kind of appreciate those, those, those subtle jokes. You know, when I was a kid, I had to carry a bucket of water, you know, mm-hmm. two miles. And it, it just makes mm-hmm. me like, Oh, you really had to carry a bucket of water <laughs> for two miles. And then go get some more. And get some more. And like, you know, what type of, quite a little bit kind of character that, that built of how you're perceiving certain challenges in life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that type of resilience is, it, it really is admirable. And I think about some of the things that my family has gone through, like my grandparents or my aunts and my uncles and how that's built their strength. You know, one of my favorite phrases, and, and I'll, I'll share this here, and I'm going to share it again later. You know, I had the, you know, the privilege to go back to where my ancestors used to be slaves. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible experience because I realized I was standing on land that my ancestors quite literally survived, obviously, because right. I'm here, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, but knowing what they had to endure every day just for me to exist here, just, just, it was such an emotional experience. So now whenever I do have those moments where I'm struggling or I'm frustrated because I can, I can tell that white privilege is taking place in the moment that I'm being mm-hmm. marginalized. I remind myself, you know what? My ancestors survived so I can live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, my ancestors went through so much of this and then some. <laughs> right. And overcame enough for me to exist. So I know it's within my DNA, within me to get through this. Right. And I can still be angry. <laughs> I can I still, still be, be frustrated. I'm going to be angry. And move forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's important that those who are, you know, experiencing and recognizing this marginalization and, you know, um, that you, that you realize that your feelings are valid. Yeah. Despite what's trying to be said to you, like what you're experiencing is valid. This is a very frustrating experience. Right. And don't, you want to make sure that you're acknowledging your own feelings, that you're validating your own feelings, mm-hmm. um, that you don't let these experiences tell you otherwise because you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. What you're feeling is real and it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the, it was a system put in place to make sure that you feel this way, to feel powerless. And you're not. Absolutely not. There's there's too much evidence that you're powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, and for me, I my mere existence is enough for me, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I that's just how I roll. So I hope after hearing this episode that you understand marginalization better, um, white privilege, white inherent privilege, mm-hmm. and that you make those connections for yourself as to why you might be feeling angry, emotional, having difficulties managing mm-hmm. these things or even being able to identify exactly what you're feeling in, in your in your everyday life when you go to school, when you go to work, um, when you're in social settings. Um, 
but don't forget to remember that you are very much powerful. Mm-hmm. Resilient. Mm-hmm. More than capable. Okay. Go ahead and walk in your power. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. Be informed. Be supported. Be empowered. <laughs>